Welcome to the Politics of Everything. I'm Amber Danes, your host and podcast producer. This is a half hour of power, a podcast dropping every week where I unpack the politics of everything, from money to motherhood, nutrition to narcissism, startups to secularism, the environment, quality, and much, much more. Our guests are seasoned in the field or topic of their choice, even if you've not heard of them yet. This is a non-partisan show. So while I love exploring varied views and get a buzz from a healthy debate of ideas, this is not a purely blue, white, green program. Please subscribe, tune in and enjoy the politics of everything. A new economy sounds great, right? More opportunities for change and equality and a new paradigm of power. All my guest today agrees. Don Golden is humanitarian, a pastor and the founder and impact investment strategist and fundraising consultant behind Just Capital Quotient or JCQ, a consultancy helping thriving businesses become forces for good. After 30 years of working in the most challenging humanitarian contexts, Don is convinced that a new economy is what the world needs most. Don and JCQ are preaching this new economy and their clients are listening and becoming more competitive and profitable in the process. He's also the co-author of Jesus Wants to Save Christians with Rob Bell. He has been interviewed in the Huffington Post, the New York Times, CNN and NPR. In addition to his work with JCQ, he's the Chief Impact Officer at Threefold Private Equity. For anyone keen to reframe the way the economy works, this show is for you. So welcome to the politics of everything, Don. Thank you so much, Amber. Great to be with you. Podcasting remotely can be challenging, but it doesn't have to be. Since day one of the politics of everything, I have relied on Zencaster's all-in-one solution to make the process quick and painless, the way it should be for those of us who just love great content and want to get our ideas out into the world. If you know me, I'm obsessed with quality in terms of my guests, my sound, and everything about my show has to be great the first time. I'm time poor. It's so easy to use Zencaster. I'm not tech savvy and you don't need to be either. There's nothing to download. Just click on the link and off we go. Zencaster is all about making your podcasting experience easy and with everything from local recording to automate post-productions now in their toolkit, you don't have to leave your browser to get that episode done and done fast. I have a special offer for you and I hopefully you can experience what I have with Zencaster. Go to Zencaster.com forward slash pricing and use my VIP code, the politics of everything, all lowercase in one word, to get 30% off your first three months of Zencaster Professional. How good is that? I want you to have the same easy experiences I do for all my podcasting and content needs. It's time to share your story. Okay, can I ask you, what did you want to be when you were a little kid? And was that perhaps a pastor, an economist, something completely different to where you've landed? Can you tell us about your early ambitions? Yeah, actually, I, I wanted to be in, in Christian ministry. I wanted to be a, a pastor and I wanted to offer the world good news. That's what my passion was as a, as a young boy. Excellent. So it sounds like you followed that path. And so did that involve study to become part of a ministry? What was that early kind of years of your your life like once you'd finished school? Yeah, well, I um, came of age when the Berlin Wall was coming down. Uh, people will have to dig back into history. Oh, I remember that. Out more about that. <laughs> Um, but I was invited to join a ministry serving refugees in Vienna, Austria. And that was really my deep dive into um, what you might call a, a holistic understanding of, of life and ministry, that uh, humans have a, a whole range of needs. 
and refugees don't need to be preached to. They need a, a place they can call home. And that if you really care and if you really want to be something of a divine agent in the world, you need to be looking at the fundamental challenges that people face in the world. So my interest in theology and ministry led to an interest in the, the world of, of nonprofit human development. And then that led to political activism. And then that ultimately led to where I am now in impact investing and working for a new economy. So for those of us listening who might find this concept fascinating, but maybe not understand it, how would you describe this idea of a new economy or the new economy? Yeah, I think in its simplest terms, it's about an economy that gives life and that gives back more to people and planet than it takes. You don't have to be a an economist to understand, and you don't even have to be a, a radical or on the left to admit and to recognize the consequences of an unrestrained capitalism that puts profits ahead of people and planet. And we're now dealing with those realities. On the other hand, it doesn't help to just have negative things to say about the economy without a program to bring change. And my view is that capitalism can be a tool for good if it is used in a way that is conscious. Absolutely. So tell us a bit more about this idea of impact investing and why does it really matter? I think you've touched on it a little bit with the description of what that new economy would perhaps look like. But impact investing is something which I think a lot of people are curious about, a lot of companies are, are looking for, but I always feel like they teeter around the edges sometimes rather than going all in because they worry about profit, they worry about long-term growth, those other things which obviously are part of an investment cycle. What's the real bonus of having impact investing as part of your core strategy? Yeah. Well, impact investing is a very broad term. You can look into it more deeply and more technically through what's called the GEN, G-I-I-N, the Global Impact Investing Network. And that's just a, a very broad category of companies and investors that are, that are looking at this field. And it's, and it's a growing field. More and more people are interested in it, but it is very broad. What we're really looking at is access to capital and to a kind of capital that favors people who have been marginalized, who have been left out. And so it may be asking people, instead of demanding 20% on your returns, would you be willing to accept 10 or 12 if you knew that the company was solving some considerable social or environmental problem? Impact investing really allows us to, to restructure access to capital, to give founders a longer runway, to bring in more accelerator services and more of the human element that maybe a successful entrepreneur had through you know, growing up in a, in a wealthier environment from family or institutions. Maybe all of that's already factored in the successful business. Well, people who are trying to break into capital markets and gain access in order to start companies that are broadening the economy to include more people uh, or are starting companies that are solving social or environmental problems, they often need a, a longer time frame, more uh, favorable uh, rates on loans, et cetera, et cetera. And impact investing with a group of like-minded investors allows you to create uh, alternative space for uh, people to have access to that capital. 
So I'm going to push you a little bit on this because to me it sounds quite altruistic. So what's that balance between being really altruistic as well as rational in creating that new economy so that it, like you mentioned, is just, it's sustainable and equitable for all. But I guess at the end of the day, a lot of entities are there to make money and improve their own lot in life. So how does that kind of all balance out? Yeah, well, that's a, the word balanced is, is uh, critical. And we use something that we call the balanced impact scorecard. And we, we're really looking at, we have to be profitable. Let's be honest. If a, if a company is not profitable, if an investor and an investment vehicle is not profitable, it goes under. And that's not capitalism. So if we, if we want to be conscious anti-capitalists, well, we need to go in a very different way. But if we want to be conscious capitalists, then businesses and investments have to be profitable. But our view is that we should expand our definition of profit to include, yes, financial profit, but also people and uh, planetary resources and the places. So, you know, being a, from being a preacher, I've got the four Ps there. You've got financial profit, but you have planetary resources, accounting for business impacts, product life cycle business ethics, that sort of thing, but also the places where our businesses, where we live and work, the, the economics and quality of life of the people where our businesses are placed. Those places should uh, grow and they should become uh, more thriving because there's a good company in its midst. And then the people should have access to more life and a, more, a fuller life, a more nourishing and flourishing life. So we actually think, and there's there's a growing body of evidence that you can find through the uh, gen and through through uh, others uh, doing research on this, that the the more we are taking seriously those multiple capitals, the more our businesses can thrive. So this is this is not about you know losing money in the name of altruism. This is about building resilience into the economy in such a way that our people and that our planet can continue to be healthy and that our businesses can truly thrive. So there are many coaching businesses out there in the world. You just have to go onto LinkedIn and it feels like everyone's a coach of some sort these days. How do you coach leaders on their own inner journey and I guess have those applications ready for them, the tools ready for their companies that they can be sort of, you know, going down this path of impact investing, what makes, I guess, your your entity different or special? Well, yes, you're, you're right. And there are a lot of coaches today. There are also a lot of uh, m- mindfulness coaches. You had Michael Bunting on one of your shows. And yes, that was, uh, it was fabulous. Uh, phenomenal. <laughs> yeah. Um, and that that's really an important element about being human, you know, just being present, being mindful, learning from these ancient practices. I come come at it from a the, the contemplative Christian tradition, but uh, learn very much from many traditions. So that's just an important thing that all of us can can do to become healthier, uh, more productive human beings, to have more peace and joy. Our specialty, and I think maybe it's because of my background as a pastor, but our specialty at Just Capital Quotient is connecting self-discovery with purpose and business. And really, really beginning to tie the impact of your business to your deeper uh, yearnings and desires as a human being. And, and we, we bring a lot of faith to that. It's not, it's not a creedal faith, a Christianity or, or anything. It's, a, it's kind of what you might call an anthropic faith, a belief 
in life, a belief in, in humanity and our, uh, our destiny to bring more life into the world than we take. And so our specialty is connecting mindfulness to self and business purpose discovery. And then and through that balanced impact scorecard, we, we really move out from the, the authentic self into the world, into the market, and we help companies do what we call compete on impact. That is, uh, how can you become the indisputable leader in your industry because you are bringing more life to people and planet than you take? That people are choosing you, either investing in you or choosing your products and services because you have a verifiable pathway to bring life to that industry. And we're finding that happening in very surprising industries. What sort of industries are you, are you thinking of when you mention that? Yeah. Well, you know, when I began working with a, a group of uh, painting and coating companies, I didn't know anything about paint. And I honestly would have to tell you that I didn't really care about paint. <laughs> but I actually learned that both from a, an anthropological side, humans have always sought to beautify, preserve and protect. It's something in our DNA. It's in our bones. It's also tied to asset development, REITs, our, our ability to uh, manage our property, where a lot of our investments in are located. We actually have to preserve and protect our buildings, otherwise they will dilapidate and they'll lose value. And so the, the company that can find ways to ensure that the labor that goes into that work and the materials bring more life than they take that they give back more than they take, that company can actually win. And we're seeing that happen in one particularly is a, is a roofing company. Uh, landfills in the U.S., the number two item in landfills are roof tear-offs. And so working with a company that's found a way to preserve roofs, not tear them off and put them into landfills, that company is winning on impact, competing on impact and winning. And we, we actually think if, if we have to do it as humans, then there must be a way to figure out how to do it in a life-giving way. And the entrepreneur who figures that out has that leadership, that category of one status. Absolutely. So give us some examples, if you might, of how managing risk in this space addresses that problem of privilege. And I say problem of privilege with a very loaded, obviously, intention there because we are talking about more just processes and systems and ethics within a business. So I'm assuming we're addressing that idea that, you know, we used to we used to joke in the 80s, you know, whoever dies of the most toys wins kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But I think we've moved from that. So, you know, the anecdote to that sounds like what's happening now. But how do you manage the risk? Because there's a transition for a business that might have to suddenly change how they've done things for perhaps a long, long time. Yeah, well, um, certainly here in the U.S., and, and I've heard echoes uh, of, of similar challenges, but the politics of division that exist in the U.S., the, the inability for the right and the left to come to any agreement, that polarization is extreme, and it means that we are rendered largely unable to meet the human and planetary challenges that are very serious and very urgent. And so rather, if, if you're a, a person of privilege, um, if, you, if you're from in, the, in a dominant demographic, rather than being troubled about that, put that risk, put that privilege to use and do it by taking on 
risk. And this is something that in the, in this is where contemplation comes in and studying the ancient traditions. It's interesting that the, the Greek concept of eros, eros sort of life energy in the Greek tradition, eros is the child of the God of wealth and the God of poverty. And it's so fascinating that the idea that you have to have poverty and wealth coming together in relationship to create life energy. And yes. there are so many people with an abundance of wealth, but if you have wealth without some kind of relationship to need, you have decadence. And if you only have need and you have no relation to wealth, no horizon of hope, you have degradation. And so a way that we can deal with privilege is to increase and diversify our risk portfolio. It brings so much vitality and light. We're not talking about charity. We're not talking about throwing money away. We're just talking about uh, finding through relationships in this emerging economy, areas where you can put your human, technical, spiritual, and financial assets to work for someone else in such a way that you will find it life-giving. So dealing with privilege, the way that we do that is we increase our risk and uh, find ways to help others as they build businesses that address problems that we face today. And would there be an example of that for maybe one of your clients, even on a no-name basis, of, of what that might look like? Sure, yeah. Um, a very interesting one. One of the companies that we work with and we've invested in, it's called Power Resources International. It's, an, it's actually a tantalum mine. Tantalum is a rare earth stable mineral used in fail-free circuitry. It's the kind of circuitry that is at the cutting edge right now. 5G technology, aerospace technology, biomedical technology. So there's a great race today to get this rare earth mineral called tantalum. And it has been being taken from Africa. It comes mostly from the Great Lakes region of Africa, Eastern Congo, uh, Rwanda. And it is the ore is mined and taken to other countries. And none of the value add is left or, or invested in Africa. Uh, all of that value add, all the real profit, all, all of the building up of, of technical and human capacity to make all that circuitry do its magical work to keep our lives so well connected and developing is located outside of Africa. And so this company has gone through extraordinary efforts to bring the first tantalum refinery to Africa. I never thought that impact investing would lead me into mining. I thought mining was Evil. only killing the planet. <laughs> exactly. But you actually find out if, if almost everything that we use has either been farmed or mined. And Absolutely. so we can't look away. We have to find a way to do it in a life-giving way. And we've come across someone who has, and we've thrown our lot in. Another one of our companies that we're investing in, Quantum Mental Health, it's, is bringing the exciting new field of psychedelic assisted therapy to the underinsured. Uh, I live here in Baltimore in the U.S. on the campus of, of uh, Johns Hopkins University where a new generation of research is going into psychedelics and it's powerful uh, support and, and help for, for example, those with addictions or those with trauma. But a lot of those services end up becoming available only to the wealthy. Uh, insurance companies aren't yet covering it. And so this company, uh, Quantum Mental Health, making these uh, unique ancient traditions and ancient medicines available uh, for the underinsured, 
that's something that we think is valuable. We love the founder and, and what they are doing. And so we've jumped in and it's that kind of uh, thing that we get to be a part of. It's super exciting. Uh, there's risk, but there's also opportunities to, to get involved. Uh, so those are a couple really exciting examples. Fabulous. So in your view, what, how can profit and social equity work best? What's the, what's the kind of, you know, the, the ideal version of that, if not balance, that sort of marriage between those two? Well, yeah, I, I think it has to do with this this idea of life and being life giving and, and allowing, you know, that's why for us, we look at these four capitals. It's just expanding. One of the, the ways that exploitative capitalism has done its damage is what they call externalities. You know, we will privatize the value of capital and profits and we will socialize its costs. So let everybody else pay for us growing our pocketbooks. But by taking account of all the resources that we we use, yes, that seems more difficult. But over the long term, we're building resilience into our companies, into our economy. So we think it is in this idea of a balanced impact scorecard in which you take seriously profit, uh, building a healthy respect for profit and its many uh, uses, that you account for the resources of the planet that you use, and that your investment in people and in the places where they live is an honest accounting. Um, so we think it, it comes through that kind of balanced impact scorecard uh, that, that helps us bring that more thriving approach to the economy. What's the best advice that you've ever been given, and that might be professional or personal, and who was it from and why? The best advice I, I had came from a spiritual teacher who encouraged me to finish this one simple statement, I am. And I, I spent a lot of time thinking about what am I? You know, what, what actually am I? And I, I concluded after a lot of thought and meditation that I am host to the divine presence. And that's a kind of mindfulness practice. And out of that sort of mantra of just thinking about that, you know, what, what, how valuable is it to have infinite belief in yourself? Well, that's really what we have access to when we consider this possibility that there's some divine spark in us, some, some reason that the universe brought us here. And, and it must be a reason that the universe needs, uh, that we kind of participate with the universe in its unfolding. And so that, which maybe was 10 years ago when someone challenged me to finish that sentence, I am. So the consulting work that we do, we, we have a, a course, it's about eight or 12 sessions, depending on how we structure it, called The Necessity of You. And it all comes out of my experience linking who I am as a human being with what I am meant to do in the world. And I have found that it is an extraordinary source of power to go about this work. Excellent. That's a far more profound response, John, than I was expecting because sometimes people just, <laughs> you know, just quote all the usual suspects. So um, thank you for that. So no if we problem. spoke again in a year, what would be your number one goal to have achieved and why that goal? Yeah, well, we are working right now on what we call one-to-many strategy. We've been working with one client at a time, and that client base is growing, and we're excited about it. But we really are now interested in the tools that we can use to scale this so that we can begin uh, doing cohorts, perhaps, of you know one to several, and then you know building the tools, the, the data platform, et cetera, to make this approach 
accessible. What we're finding is that there's still a real dualism. You have kind of spiritual teachers and coaches, but they don't really function around what you'd call a telos. Like, what's the end goal of this mindfulness? What's the end goal of emotional intelligence or cultural intelligence? Where is it headed? Then on the other side, you have environmentalists and scientists, you know, the, the task force on nature-related financial disclosures who are, they're, they're using science-based targets to help the world end this problem of what they call overshoot. You know, how do we actually change our behavior? Those folks often don't know how to relate to spiritually-minded people, which here in America, that's a lot of people. And they, they don't really have a, a, a unifying meta-narrative to help people come into shared action on behalf of people or the planet. So I would like in a year to have more of those tools in place that we can take these strategies and approaches that we're doing one-on-one and make them available to many. And as we wrap up our conversation today, what would be a final takeaway message for our audience on the politics of the new economy? Well, I love being in one-on-one conversation. For me, I see a, a time uh, with you, Amber, as as a way of kind of amplifying a conversation. And I invest a lot of time in one-on-ones with anyone who really cares about this stuff. And so, you know, for me, coming to to find us at justcapitalquotient.com, I've actually created a little gift there, so a forward slash gift for just a, an introductory idea about how you can go beyond maybe charity, charitable giving into doing good through your through your business. So, you know, for, for me, it's uh, reaching out. There's a, there's a way to connect to me on that website, justcapitalquotient.com. I would love to be in, in conversation with, with anyone who's motivated by the possibility of making an impact through their business. Fantastic. And of course, if you do want to contact Don, there is those details and also some other information in our show notes. Until next time, take care. Thank you so much. Thanks so much for listening today. If you've enjoyed the politics of everything, I thrive on your feedback. So please add a short review and share the podcast with your network through Apple, Spotify, and all the usual suspects. I'm always on the hunt for new and diverse guests. So if you or someone you know has a fresh idea you're busting to get out there, please email me at amber at amberdanes.com and my crew will get back to you very soon.